Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. East Palestine, Ohio residents. I would be drinking the bottled water. Sore throats, burning eyes, vomiting. Residents have every reason to be concerned. The Chinese are not our friend. They're all in it. They'll do whatever it takes to beat us. This is a whole new level of aggression. What these objects are and why they were operating in those spaces. Nikki Haley! Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So when Mitt Romney was debating Barack Hussein Obama, didn't Romney say that China was our biggest enemy? Or was it Russia? Russia. It was Russia. Because <clears throat> they said, you know, Romney, uh, the 80s were calling right. and they want they our want foreign policy back. But Russia is just as bad. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Obama. Uh, Tim McGarver, the uh, Major League Baseball veteran of 21 years, passed away, 81 years old. I, I feel like everybody around me is leaving us. <laughs> I, I mean, this has been a a rough year. I, I, I mean, it's we're only in February, and uh, a lot of personal acquaintances and people of stature, Jeff Charles passing away. I mean, it's been it has been rough. Yeah, I just got word today of a uh, old friend I was in Scouts with passed away last night with cancer. He's been, oh, bat- been battling cancer for quite some time. Man, I, you know, I guess it goes in waves, but I'm ready for this wave to be over. Uh, McGarver, uh, in 2012, won the Baseball Hall of Fame's Ford C. Frick Award for Broadcasting. Uh, he was a catcher for most of his career. He actually started in 1959. I didn't realize it was that long yeah. ago. <laughs> I'm trying to think. He might have even actually played for the Washington Senators. Did um, that go that far he back? He played. Uh, he, he he did not. He played. Okay. The, he started out with the Cardinals. He went to the Phillies. Then he bounced around between the Phillies, the Expos, the Red Sox, and then he ended up uh, with the Cardinals a second time. And then he finally went back to the Phillies. So he was bouncing back and forth. Uh, the only American League uh, team he played for were the Red Sox. He started his uh, broadcasting career in Philadelphia at WPHL. And, uh, of course, then he was a number of years from 96 to 2013 with Joe Buck on Fox Sports. So uh, quite a career, though. 21 years in the major leagues is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, what, what was the uh, – he had a brouhaha on national television, like in the locker room, as I recall, with a player – I'm, maybe I'm, the, I'm drawing a blank. Maybe at the that. World Series. I mean, it was. I'm drawing a blank on um, this. Mm, look it up. I can just I can just remember that it was kind of uncomfortable for everyone. I think <laughs> he uh, debuted in 1959 after uh, he was signed out of high school, Christian Brothers High School in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, he really took off in the early 60s uh, with the Cardinals, where uh, he had uh, a 2.89 batting average uh, with uh, 23 extra base hits. And uh, you know, just a steady Eddie all those years. Okay, yeah, it was, it was run in with uh, Deion Sanders at the '92 National League Championship Series. Uh, you have memory for trivia that is most of the time is meaningless, but it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I could remember something worthwhile, I might have been a thoracic <laughs> surgeon, maybe. Um, but I just remember in the locker room, it was very. It was. I, I forgot what it was. I think it was him criticized. Criticizing Deion Sanders during the series, as I recall, and it just it just got really uncomfortable in the locker room. I remember. 
Uh, speaking of surgeons, uh, Joe Biden had a press conference today, speaking from the White House and the Eisenhower, um, a White House set in the Eisenhower office building. Why did they do that? I mean, why don't you say you're in the Eisenhower office building? Why, why do you, well, let's have a fake set and pull everybody. Um, well, you know, uh, Maybe maybe they're trying to fool Joe. Maybe that yeah yeah, Mr. President, you're actually in the White House. Not, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't know the difference. I assure you that. But I'm sure it's because it's more modern, uh, you know, modern modern abilities to hide his shortcomings, you know, his cognitive shortcomings and and all that. Some listener uh, just texted me and uh, obviously listening in and another sports aficionado, McGarver's uh, run-in was with Deion Sanders. So. Uh, not sure who that was, but uh, thanks for that. Um, you should have been a little quicker on the down. You could have beat Benny to it. Uh, here's Joe Biden from earlier today talking about uh, his military might and taking out balloons. This community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Well, thank you, Joe, for uh, blowing up our research balloons, <laughs> if that is the truth. Now, there's, there's a lot of uh, speculation that he's lying through his teeth. But we do know, I mean, uh, supposedly, I guess they shot five $400,000 missiles. <laughs> and here's the other question I've got. If I was there, I said, Joe, uh, do you know where the final, the, the one missile that missed everything, where did that end up, Joe? <laughs> I mean, mm. did some poor Eskimo get blown to smithereens up on the Arctic Circle? I know some places I'd like for it to end up, but I shouldn't <laughs> say. <laughs> Just, you know, listen to his statement there. Uh, you know, he's obviously re reading off a prepared script teleprompter. I'm sure I didn't see it live, but I'm sure he was on the teleprompter. He is, he is so in-depth. It's like, I mean, I was expecting him any moment to say, you know, comma or colon <laughs> or something. What happened? Because he was just reading it. Um, he doesn't have a clue what's going on. But I, I don't, I don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe our military doesn't know. We've got we're too sophisticated. And this is the question I asked myself as I was looking at the story. What's worse, that we allowed a spy balloon that we now, are, what we think. I mean, again, with this administration, you know, they they don't know the truth from a lie. We think it was an actual spy balloon that they shot down off the South Carolina coast. But they let that go from the Aleutian Islands, you know, even before it got to the Aleutian Islands, all the way across the United States, over some of our top secret military bases, and then all the way across the United States, and they finally blow it up. What's worse, that the, allowing that to happen, or the fact that we we are out there shooting at what they called sky trash, or and now he's saying, oh, they were weather balloons. You, you're going to tell me you don't know the difference? Between a, a weather balloon or a balloon up there for some scientific experiment or a private balloon, and, and, and you, you can't tell that that's what it is? Yeah, and the last three balloons, uh, what, what was the altitude of those? I know the first one was like 60,000 feet or so. What was the altitude? I, I don't think they were quite as high, but they were like 40,000. Oh, think my gosh. Like... They, could, they, they knew exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, they could fly up right next to it and say, <laughs> yeah. hey. And they could read the writing on the side of the balloon if there was any. Yeah, I, I, I think the truth, the truth will come out quicker than normal on this. I, I think, 
I think uh, some someone in the military there will be back channels and they, they will oh be there'll be a whistleblower yeah there always is. Uh, Biden today uh, was up in uh, oh yesterday he was up in Maryland and uh, it was a rah rah session among other things he was he was bragging about the great economy and how wonderful inflation is with prices now coming down, even though they were up. Uh, they're up a lot higher than what they were when he took office. It's inflation. Yeah. But um, he was, uh, while he was speaking up there, giving his speech, he talked about Maryland's new governor, first black governor of uh, at the state of Maryland, and he told a crowd in, uh, that was there, he said, he's the real deal, and the boy looked like he could still play. He's got some guns on him. There's a lot of people upset now that he said that, that, uh, of course, you know, calling a, a black man a boy is a racist statement. I will say this, though. I, You know, it would be easy to, whenever I have an opportunity to jump on Joe, I'll jump on Joe. But, I mean, Joe is old enough to be his grandfather, maybe old enough to be his great-grandfather, and he was referring to him as a young athlete, and he he played football for Johns Hopkins. I, you know, I'm actually going to give Joe a pass on this. I think it's I think it's you know I think it's wrong to. to and there's plenty of other things to jump on. This is not one of them. Except if this was a Republican conservative that had made a comment in the same way. It would make national news. Oh, yeah. And that individual would be harassed until he walked off the stage. You know, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, I heard people use that term, and it was a derogatory term right. towards, towards towards a black man. But but I also heard it my whole life, just the older, especially when they got older. Anyone that was, I mean, they'd call, I mean, I've known some guys call you a boy. Hey, boy. Yeah. Somebody, oh, yeah. somebody 90 years old, which is not too far away. <laughs> I mean, if, if you actually count up Joe Biden years, he's probably about 110. Uh, speaking of his health, uh, Joe was to take his annual physical uh, today. A former doctor for Barack Hussein Obama, David Shiner, said uh, he didn't think Joe's in good shape. He, uh, which... <laughs> Duh. <laughs> he said, I don't care if he's in perfect health now. I can't believe he's in perfect health. He's had too many things in his past. Shiner pointed specifically to Bidem's uh, aneurysms, for which he had surgeries in the 1980s. Uh, when you do work on the brain, there's always a little damage done. Uh, the doctor also recalled Biden's um, uh, issues with small strokes. They're leaving uh, a lot of concern in my mind, he said. A report following Biden's physical in November of 21 said a neurological exam did not show evidence that the president had a stroke or any other neurological or brain disorders. Dr. Neil Kasel, who performed the surgery on Biden in 88, said to Politico in 2019 that he's absolutely certain he had no brain damage. Listen, I've talked to surgeons that are familiar with this, and, and they have assured me beyond any shadow of a doubt, one who's a very well-known surgeon here in town, you do not come out of this the same as you went in. No, no. And what's interesting about it, and again, I'm, an, I'm quoting a doctor that's reputable, but what's interesting about it is he was saying the thing that it harms the most when you have the surgery that he had is you lose your filters. Mm. 
<laughs> Joe has lost his filters. Uh, Joe is Exhibit A. He hadn't had any filters in an awful long time. Mm. A report following Biden's physical in 21. Uh, yeah, no, no issues with uh, brain disorders, as doctor said. Uh, looking at Biden's current condition, Shiner observed the president appears noticeably older. It worries me that he is aging. If uh, I look at him, he's not a young 80. Specifically addressing how the president walks. The gait is not insignificant, claiming this provides a peek into the whole physical, mental, and capability of a person. Biden's walking ability was addressed in detail in a report following his 21 physical. White House physician Kevin O'Connor observed that Biden's ambulatory gait is noticeably stiffer and less fluid than it had been a year prior. O'Connor said this was determined to mostly to uh, spinal arthritis and recovery from a fractured foot. But a new neurological exam did show a mild peripheral neuropathy. neuropathy. Uh, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, who said he was the best communicator in the White House yesterday, uh, said that the public will learn the results of Biden's physical, stating we want to be transparent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess that happened yesterday or the day before when uh, John Pierre said that, that Biden was the best communicator in the right. White House. I, I, I'm just surprised the press room didn't just, like, bust out in a, uh, an uncontrollable yeah. laugh because yeah. that is the most yeah. – that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of her mouth, I believe. Uh, you well, know, and again, though, the only one worse than Joe might be – well, Kamala and and her Corinne Jean Pierre. They're I'm really, yeah, they're pretty bad. I'm just thinking about Biden is what eighty. I'm just thinking about some people I've known, and of course I've known people who are, you know worse shaped than that. But I, he is. I, I've known guys in their early nineties a lot better shape than him. My father-in-law lived to be ninety-six, and he was sharp as a tack up to the end. I mean, his his mental abilities were. They and that's the exception to the rule. I'm not. You know, it's my wife's, my wife's father, not my father. So there's no reflection on me. But yeah, he was. Some are, and and Joe ain't. Uh, speaking of um, those who are not in the best physical shape, uh, John Fetterman is back in the hospital this afternoon, mm-hmm. or actually went in last night. Uh, checked himself into Walter Reed to be to receive treatment for clinical depression. Yeah, and he just got out of the hospital. A week ago, yeah. or other. Well, he said he was lightheaded, and they yeah. were checking to see if he had another stroke. Uh, but you know the worst thing about this with Fetterman and the Bidens, you can see it coming down the track. And, and but I, but more so than blaming the political, you know, power structure of the Democrat Party, I blame the Fetterman and Biden families. That they, they should be ashamed of themselves. Well, for putting it. I mean, if they truly. I assume they love them. I assume their uh, their loved ones. It, to put them through that to me is just amazing. Well, well Jill, I would say, is uh, a little uh, narcissistic. She's a little greed hound. Um, Fetterman's wife is a nut. Yeah, she looks scary. <laughs> She's she, a nut. She literally looks like somebody that um, you know runs a tattoo parlor. <laughs> I mean, she really, did, didn't she? I, I don't know. I don't know that. I think she did. Did she? Well, I guess I'm... <laughs> Look that up during the break. Nothing, hey. nothing against anybody who runs tattoo parlors, but, you know, you look a little weird. You just do. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's true. I, I've never seen an all-American boy or, uh, you know, the girl you want to take home to mom uh, running a tattoo parlor. I'm just, just saying. Uh, 
if you're on tattoo parlor and you're conservative, our apologies. I don't know how many of those are out there, but uh, anyway, uh, stay with us. Lots more news and views. We'll try to get ourselves into deeper trouble when we get back. A collection of question marks. A lot of questions. Why? How? No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare. We'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the what's, and the where's. Neighborhood by neighborhood. Literally knocking on doors. This is your worst nightmare. The nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Worst nightmare. We will not end the nightmare. We'll only explain it. Explain that. Because this. This. This is News and Views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 Welcome back in. We will play political trivia in a little bit. Uh, interesting question on congressional law. Uh, I think you'll find it rather interesting. It is time to take a quick look at your weather forecast. Tonight's low, 66 is the low. What a nice day it was out today. Uh, unfortunately, tomorrow's going to be warm, but it's also going to be rainy. 80% chance of rain with a high of 72. Tomorrow night it cools back down to a low of 34. Saturday, lots of sunshine, but the high is only 52. Uh, Saturday night, a low of 33. And uh, looking ahead to next week, We've got sunshine. We're back in the 60s and back up to 77, according to the notes mm. I've got here by next Wednesday. So maybe we've uh, dodged a winter bullet. <laughs> On the opening uh, weekend of ECU baseball tomorrow, and, of course, winter's back. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they might get rained out tomorrow, although it's going to be warm. But uh, Saturday and Sunday, not not too bad. Sunday's going to be 61. They've actually moved tomorrow's game to 6 p.m. Oh, they have? Okay. Mm, so they're anticipating the wind wind and rain, to be, or rain anyway, to be out. out of the way. There you go. Uh, weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with your friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Call 252 Four six, I'm two five two two five two seven five two forty six fifty three extension two o two. All right, just just get the 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 seven key number seven five two forty six fifty three. They'll get to <laughs> get you to Jenna. Just Google Ironwood. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, you make it a little simpler. Uh, interesting story in the Carolina Journal, and uh, Dale Falwell who is uh, <laughs> how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> well, yeah. When Dale's wife wants a new pair of shoes, Dale puts a penny down on the floor, tells her to step on it, and if she can tell whether it's heads or tails, then she gets to buy a new pair of shoes. <laughs> but uh, this guy, and listen, I, I am glad he is such a conservative when it comes to uh, our, our taxpayer dollars and cents. But the North Carolina treasurer, Dale Falwell yesterday released a report, I guess it came out late last night, um, concerning the uh, hospitals across the state of North Carolina. For that matter, they looked at some hospitals across the country. Uh, primarily, the, the focus was in North Carolina hospitals, and primarily, the focus was on the salaries of CEOs. 
And to say, and listen, he invited researchers to come in, examine the numbers, and give some feedback. He invited researchers from North Carolina State Health Plan, Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg School of Public Health, Rice University's Baker Institute for Public Policy. They all came in to compare uh, the compensation in hospital systems. They looked at Atrium, Mission, Novin, uh, UNC, Vidant, Duke, Cohen, Wake Med, Wake Forest Baptist, as well as uh, Midwest Systems, Advocate Aurora Health that merged with Atrium Health. Uh, the hospital systems paid highly paid executives more than $1.75 billion. Now, that's, that's, that's not any individual. That's the cumulative for a period of 2010 through 2021. So over 11 years, top executives took in $1.75 billion. Um, now, a billion is a thousand million, right? Yep. So we're talking about real money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're talking about um, $1,700 million. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More than that. Uh, almost 20% of that compensation was captured by a handful of hospital CEOs who collectively took home $308 million over 12 years. Total spending on nonprofit CEOs rose 104% from $19 million in 2011 to $38.7 million, .38 million in 2019. You know, what's, the thing that uh, caught my eye about that is, uh, again, these nonprofits isn't that what um, the shyster uh, Jim Baker of the PTL club went to prison for? <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, he was a he was a nonprofit. He was a I guess he would have been a five hundred one c three just because churches by default. Uh, and I think he was doing all that un, under the umbrella of churches. Now, now, I mean, possibly. By the way, the weather graphic is uh, still up on uh, the video, uh, Clark. Thank you. There, but there we are. There's those good-looking guys. That's a better look. <laughs> uh, put the graphic back up. <laughs> um, now, I mean, maybe the difference would be because Jim Baker was out there begging for money for quote missions, and then he turned around and spent it on himself. But I, you know, I, if I if I'd have to go back and look at it, I'm pretty sure that the, the charge was you know. Overindulgence of a nonprofit. Uh, and th those are my words. Not, I'm sure that it was something different when they actually charged him. Um, part of the problem too, though, is when you look at increased pay and compare it to uh, other, like nurses. Um, it wasn't. I'm trying to find the numbers here for nurses, but it was a literally a fraction. Um, but at, here, here you go. At the same time, frontline clinical workers only received a slight pay increase. On average, family medicine physicians raises uh, wages rose 22.7 in that same time period. Registered nurses' salaries rose only 14.8 percent. And again, that's over a period of 11 years. Um, in response to the report, the North Carolina Healthcare Association said in a statement on their website. Instead of contributing to and doing the hard work and serious work of positively changing the healthcare landscape in North Carolina for the long run, all he, Falwell, does is recycle tired rhetoric and vilify hospital leaders who are devoting their lives and careers to serving the people of our state. 
North Carolina Healthcare Association also criticized the move by the state health plan to change its third-party administrator from Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina to Aetna after 40 years. What, what do they care on that issue? That's well, uh, to me, that's a little telling if you're so concerned about changing <laughs> changing that. I, you know, that's just – here you go. You've got a problem. The North Carolina Hospital Association has got a problem with with – the state treasurer changing the third-party administrator, okay? Right. Well, look at what's happened to health care costs in the last 25 years or so, What they've, particularly since, you know, 2010. Don't you think we ought to take a fresh look at things and maybe yeah. bring someone from outside instead of the same players? I mean, I just, I don't know, that last statement by, by the person you referenced on the hospital association, <laughs> you know, saying that, um, you know, about, about uh, you know, people devoting their life, leaders devoting their lives to state service, to serving the people. Uh, you know, of the state. hey, I'm all about that for doctors and nurses and physician extenders and other people working on the front lines. But give me a break when you make uh, when you make as much as most CEOs in in, in this region. Then don't tell me about your service to the state. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, the other interesting thing, too, and I'm trying to find it in this report here, is the fact that um, they're pointing, pointing out the fact that during COVID, uh, many of these uh, hospitals were talking about the fact that, you know, we're in dire straits. We need the additional money. And while that was going on, um, they were also um, increasing the, the pay of the, of the top CEOs. Um, so it's a, it's a little disconcerting. It's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this all falls out. I, you know, I, I I would have thought <clears throat> I would have thought the North Carolina Hospital or Healthcare Association would have come out and said, and not necessarily em, embraced the findings with glee, but uh, at least said something along the fact that well maybe you should take another look. You know, we should take another look. Well, at it. I, and I hadn't read anything other than this article just a few minutes ago. Um, but but I would guess the hospital association and these hospital leaders would say, well, well here's the deal. You know, we had a lot of mergers, and, and these hospital leaders they had a bigger responsibility because they were managing more people and a bigger system and that type of thing. Well, there you go. In the yeah. competitive marketplace, when you shrink the number of competitors, what do you think is going to happen to costs? You think you think they're going to go down? I don't think so because they have it. No. And uh, you know, it, it would be again. And Dale Falwell is, uh, and Keith Kidwell is as well. You know, this um, the fact that you've got to get approval to uh, in, increase uh, health care. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for, Keith? Uh, the uh, say again? Yeah, the condoms. You have got a needle on now. Uh, that is a very con. We'll get we'll get Keith a. Uh, you mic think here we'll be able to get an opinion on this out of Keith? <laughs> <laughs> Does a bear sleep in the woods? Hey, let's play political trivia, shall we? Five six one eight two five five is the number to call. Uh, your category: congressional law. It's a good question. Got a good prize package. 561-8255, area code 252. We will uh, be playing as soon as we get back. Give us a call.
All right, welcome back in. Time for a little political trivia. Give us a call, 561-8255. Got a line or two open yet. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A $100 gift certificate for tax services from any of the area Kidwell H&R Block offices. An Ironwood gift certificate, a $20 gift card to Gwynny's Goodies Bakery in Aden, delicious made-from-scratch goodies. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno in Havelock or El Mexicano in Newport for lunch or dinner. And a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. Again, that number, 252-561-8255. Got a line open. Give us a call. First up from uh, Hubert, it's uh, Craig. Craig, you with us? Hey, Craig. I'm right here. You're right here. All right, you ready to play? Hit me. All right. Congressional law is uh, your category. I test, tested this on Benny, and uh, it only took him about a tenth of a second to get it. I don't know if that's because he's really smart or uh, it's really easy. Uh, here's your question, though. 81 years ago this month, in 1942, Congress passed a law that was designed to conserve fuel during World War II. This law lasted three and one half years, and then it was done away with. Interestingly, it was reintroduced some 20 years later and still exists to this day. What is this law that was originally introduced to save fuel? Um, I'm going to guess strategic oil reserve. That's a good guess. That is a good that guess. That is a really good guess. That was not it. But uh, good guess, Craig. Thanks for playing. Thanks, Craig. Let's uh, go to Keith. Hey, Keith. That opens up another line, by the way. 5618255. Keith. Far away, Keith. Keith, you with us? I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a wild guess. Uh, a minimum octane or miles per gallon for uh, for vehicles. Oh, like the cafe standards. Yeah. That's not it. That's a great guess. Uh, that's actually what Keith Kidwell guessed as well. Uh, thanks for playing though, Keith. Five six one eight two five five. That opens up another line. Again, uh, Congress passed this law in 1942 to conserve fuel during World War II. It lasted three and a half years. It was done away with. Now it was reintroduced 20 years after that. And uh, it's still with us today. Charlie from Greenville's on the line. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how's it going? All right. Good. You need a hint? Uh, yeah, if you want to offer one. Here's All right. One, here's one. My grandfather told me this when I was a kid. What? Well, he, he told yeah, you, oh, yeah, oh, he told you he this told, trivia. No, no, he told me this trivia. He said, because I asked him, where the heck that come from? He said, oh. that's where it originated. Okay. All right. There you go. Well, I don't know if that's said much it, of a hint. Uh, said it happened during <laughs> World War II. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all I could think of was maybe interstate system. Interstate system. Uh, yeah, that was actually introduced uh, in under 50s? Eisenhower in the yeah. 50s, but that's a good guess. Uh, 561-8255. That's not it, though, Charlie. Thanks for playing. Thanks. Uh, I, I will, uh, the next caller will get a, a, an additional hint. I mean, kudos to your grandfather, but uh, let's go to Ed in Elizabeth City. Hey, Ed. Hello, Ed. Good afternoon. So, you ready for another hint? <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Interestingly, most people actually enjoy this law that was designed to save on the consumption of fuel. Most people were happy on this law. Oh. Uh. 
That, that's not what I was hoping for. Uh, I was going to say speed limit. Speed limit. But, that's a real good guess. Yeah, that is a good yeah, guess. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Not, that's not it, though. I think there were speed limits prior to uh, 1942, but uh, that's not it. Thanks for playing, uh, Ed. 561-8255 opens up another line. Uh, again, uh, 20 years later, it came back into existence, and it has not left us since. 561-8255. Who we got, Clark? All right. He is busily answering the phones. Uh, when Based on the clock, you might get another hint. 561-8255. 81 years ago this month, Congress passed it to conserve fuel during World War II. It's still with us today. Yeah, you said it came back 20 years later, and and the reason, you know, my granddad said something, said something to me about it. I said, uh, "Where in that world did this come from?" I mean, because I was old enough, I'd, I'd realize what was going on. He said, "Yeah, well, originally started in World War II." So. Let's go to Mark in Newport. Hey, Mark. Hey, gentlemen. Good evening. I I think the answer is uh, daylight savings. You got uh, it. Congratulations. <laughs> that is it. Daylight savings time was introduced in '42 for uh, to save on fuel and. Uh, and that was one of the hints is uh, after this spring, I think it's permanent, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations, Mark. Uh, hang on the line, and Clark and Phil will get all your info. We'll get you all these prizes in the mail. Uh, thanks for everybody who played, and uh, Benny and I will be right back. Here we go. Don't ever let me see again in life those Republicans talking about anything. These are demons. More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here we go. Uh, Mark Eady, congratulations from Newport, North Carolina. He got it uh, 81 years ago month today. Uh, 81 years ago this month, I'll get it out, the uh, Daylight Savings was introduced. And uh, Benny found out about it because he was standing in the dark waiting for the school bus to come pick him up. <laughs> and I don't forget anything. He told me, and I just don't forget stuff You know, like it's, it's going to be interesting because this year it is going to be permanent. And there's going to be times during the, the uh, winter months where we're going to have that again, where mm-hmm. kids are going to be in the dark as they get. And, you know, the reason why I think it changed back and forth was for that very reason that, uh, you know, it's – Hard to see kids crossing the road first thing in the morning when you haven't had your coffee and it's dark out there. And I don't know why they don't make a compromise and change it 30 minutes and leave it. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> well, that's going to change an hour and leave it now. Yeah. So, uh, Hold on a second. Keith. Can we get Keith, uh, Keith Kidwell from uh, – How you doing? I, I was going to say uh, the way our education system, system is going right now, a lot of our kids are in the dark, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Keith, we were talking yesterday about the fact that uh, we were giving uh, Cooper a hard time because one of the news stations had uh, a picture of Cooper right next to the story about how the surplus this year is gone up. Uh, it's approximately $3 billion, is that right? Yeah, it's about $3.2 billion. And, uh, of course, I, my comment was I'm not sure why they would give any credit to Cooper because he, in fact, when he found out that there was $3.2 billion, his immediate response was, hey, we need to spend it. And he you know, had a long list of things he wanted to spend it on. But you were telling us during the break, and yesterday the House passed uh, Medicaid expansion. Correct. Not with my vote. And and we gave you credit for that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure people understand that. Uh, and now it goes to the Senate. 
you were saying during the break, your, your hunch is it's highly likely that they'll pass it. But then you said something that's really going to get everybody's attention. You all did a great job. You've got a $3.2 billion surplus. And how does the federal government respond to that good news? So we, we got notice today um, that the federal government on our Medicaid uh, bill, we're basically going to have an additional $1 billion that we'll pay them because we have done such a great job of managing our money. Now, how can they do that? I mean, so, and again, you know, it's, it's interesting because a, a comment uh, I was going to play, we're probably going to get to it today, but uh, uh, crazy uh, Keith Oberman was saying that uh, we ought to, we ought to uh, have a civil war, a economic civil war, because the blue states have all the money and we'll make sure that uh, they starve out the red states. And I thought to myself, no, the blue states don't. The blue states have all the debt. They have all the crime. They have all the the uh, corruption, uh, but they don't necessarily have all the money. In fact, you know, we're, we're going to end up bailing out a lot of these states like California and New York. But here you've got North Carolina that actually has got some fiscal responsibility going on. They've got a surplus and they get punished. Yep, we get punished and we get to pay the bills for everybody else. Uh, you know, North Carolina has done a phenomenal job since about 2011. We've been putting money away every year. We've lowered taxes virtually every year. We've increased the money we spend on education and, and other services to people. We're getting the roads in much better shape than they were, and then we get slammed by the federal government for doing a great job. But it doesn't, I mean, I, I'm not an, an attorney <clears throat> and I, I don't know all the details, but just on the surface of it, it doesn't seem like that that's equal representation, that you're going to you're, you're going to punish someone who does things well and you're gonna reward someone that does, it seems like everybody ought to be tr- treated the same way. It, it would seem that that's the way things should be done, but when the federal government totally ignores, one is it, what they ignore is their actual powers. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, the uh, powers that they're given are only 27 in the Constitution, and the things that they're dealing with today go so far beyond that, it's ridiculous. This is why I'm, I'm encouraging, I actually introduced legislation that says any federal act, rule, anything like that, that's not a law should be reviewed by the General Assembly of North Carolina, and we would decide whether or not we're going to abide by it. And that, that's wholly constitutional. Uh, by the way, are, are, are they asking you to cut them a check? Well, so we're going to have an additional billion dollars in expenses that we'll have to cover in Medicaid. So, so I know in the past, it seems like those numbers, on, or as far as Medicaid goes, the federal covers about two-thirds, and North Carolina kicks in about Correct. a third. Now, has that percentage changed, or is the, the, the calculation of that changed? I mean, what, what gave rise to this billion dollars? So I, I, I don't have those details at this point, Benny, but I, I would guess that they're going to make an adjustment to, to the percentages of kicking in, which, by the way, let's go back to the Medicaid expansion passed yesterday. We were guaranteed that, you know, well, we're going to only have to pay 10%, right. and the hospitals are actually going to pay that. Well, I would ask the hospitals right here on the air, are you guys not passing that additional cost along to your clients? Because you know they are. I mean, there's no other way to do it. Then we're told that, well, it's not going to cost us anything because the federal government's paying for it. Ladies and gentlemen of North Carolina, do you send money to the federal government? Bingo. Because I think the answer is yes. So you're paying for it. And honestly, you're not paying for it because what they're doing is they're turning on the presses over in China that are printing the American money and, and we're getting deeper into debt. And nobody seems to care about it. You know, I, I told one of the hospital representatives that was in my office, I said, uh, I won't say his name, but I said, sir, do you, do you, have you ever cleaned an outhouse? He said, no. I said, well, let me just clue you. You don't get it cleaned out by putting more stuff in it. 
So it, what, I didn't what, say it just like that, but it was close. What, what, do you, what do you say to the folks that say, well, Keith, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on the, on the federal level. I agree with you from a conservative standpoint, but, but you don't control the federal budget. You control the state's budget. Uh, and that's what you us as taxpayers can control if north carolina is going to save money by this why not why not do it why not expand medicaid i I would argue north carolina is not going to save money by this there's going to be 120,000 people that come off of private health insurance and move immediately to medicaid okay that's not going to save us money we're sitting here complaining that we don't have the doctors to deal with what we have now but we're not doing anything in this bill to fix that problem okay if you want to really deal with the problem get rid of con certificate of need let nurses and nurse practitioners practice within the scope of their license. You know, we just lost our, our clinic down in Aurora, Benny, right? And, and I had this discussion with the hospital a couple of days ago. I said, you know, we could have put nurses or maybe a private doctor down in Aurora to cover that clinic work, but we can't because of con laws. And his argument was, well, you don't want a nurse down there. I said, wouldn't a nurse be better than nothing? Hmm. Now, uh, the Senate bill, um, I, I guess they'll take the senate bill and the house bill and then to go to the committee and they'll Correct. come out with something that's a, a blend and possibly see if everyone will vote yeah, on you'll it have then. a joint conference on the two of them and and then you know whatever ends up being put together yeah the, the only encouraging thing for me for me on this benny is that the uh, senate is very likely going to put some con repeal into okay. this okay and i actually offered an amendment yesterday that did get passed uh that would put a work requirement if we can get that back through the courts because the courts have already said no to that and interestingly enough when i offered the amendment i stood up and said you know this is what the amendment does and uh i told you a year ago when i knew you were going to pass this bill i wanted to make it the best conservative medicaid expansion bill i could make it this will do that please vote for the amendment and i'll vote against the main bill now is it georgia that has a uh, work requirement in there, uh... there there's a couple states actually uh, I, I think it's called the montana uh okay amendment that was done that that got that through and that's what this sounds like something montana would do you know it's interesting because yesterday uh they were all giddy because there was a 1.5 billion dollar bonus if they passed the medicaid expansion and 24 hours later they take a billion of that away from you. Not so fast. And that $1.5 billion would only cover a 10% bump if that's what we get from the federal government, and that money's gone. Hey, we got to run. Thanks for being with us. Congratulations to our political trivia winner, Mark Eady. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.